Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, Director of Advancement here at the college, and we're grateful that you have joined us as we continue in our series that we have titled Bible Words. As we enter this season of Advent in preparation for the celebration of Christmas, Dr. Mark Halen, the chair of DCC's Bible Department, will be looking at the word Savior. Dr. Halen's been a regular on our leadership podcast and recently celebrated 30 years of teaching here at the college. Dr. Halen, it's good to have you back. It's great to be here. Joining Dr. Halen is the head of DCC's Practical Ministries Department, Dr. Eddie Sanders. Eddie, welcome. Yes, thanks. So we're in Christmas season, and I wonder if we're going to hear the word Savior a good bit this month. Well, maybe not at Walmart, but <laughs> but yes, yeah, Dr. The, Halen. The, uh, of course, the most familiar rendition of the Christmas story from Scripture is Luke's narrative, in which in Luke 2.11, the shepherds are told, Behold, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I'm 62 years old, so I know this thing in the King James Version. And, and if you might recall, that whole narrative begins in chapter 2, verse 1, with, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire world or the entire Roman world in the NIV. And it's interesting and significant that we consider this title of Savior for Jesus in uh, Luke 2.11 in the context of Caesar Augustus. Because one of the fascinating things is that in the Roman Empire and in the imperial cult in which Caesar was worshipped as a son of God, as a semi-divine being, that the Caesars were known as saviors. Uh, There's an inscription called the Priene inscription that was written somewhere around 9 BC talking about Caesar Augustus, Octavian, says the most divine God, Caesar, we should consider equal to the beginning of all things. For when everything was falling into disorder and tending toward dissolution, he restored it once more and gave the whole world a new aspect. Caesar, the common good fortune of all, the beginning of life and vitality. All the cities unanimously adopt the birthday of the divine Caesar as the new beginning of the year. Whereas providence, has been, which has regulated our whole existence, has brought our life to the climax of perfection in the giving to us the Emperor Augustus, who being sent to us and our descendants as Savior, has put an end to war and has set all things in order. And whereas, having become God manifest, Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times. The birthday of the God Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of good news Mm -hmm. concerning him. And then Horace, writing in 13 BC in his odes, said, Thine age, O Caesar, has brought back fertile crops to the field, has wiped away our sins, and revived the ancient virtues, and the fame and the majesty of our empire, 
were spread from the sun's bed to the west to the east. As long as Caesar is, is the guardian of the, st- of the state, neither civil dissension nor violence shall banish peace. Luke knows that. God knows that. Therefore, the angels announce how they announce, what they announce mm. to the shepherds in the way that we are familiar with. I bring to you good tidings of great joy. To you is born this day in the city of David, not in the city of Rome, in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So in the first century, this was a a word everybody knew and used on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah, the the Greek word soter uh, is used uh, 24 times in the New Testament. In the old te- in the the Greek verb sozo uh, to save is found 108 times, so it, it's frequently used. And that reflects the Old Testament where the word group, the Yasha, from which we get Isaiah, from which we get Hosea, uh, from which we get Joshua, and therefore Greek translation of Joshua, Yahweh saves, is Jesus, Jesus. That Yasha word group is found 500 times. And it's the idea of giving space, you know, coming to the rescue of a group or a person or a circumstance where there's oppression, where there's need, and it's giving deliverance, giving space, giving freedom, giving deliverance, rescue to someone that is endangered. And, and, and so the New Testament writers are picking up on an Old Testament theme. Uh, the first instance in the Old Testament where God is depicted as a Savior uh, is, is in the book of Exodus. Uh, in Exodus 14, 13, and 14, 30, uh, God is portrayed as saving the Israelites at the Red Sea. In Exodus 15, 2, uh, uh, salvation is attributed to God in the Song of Moses. Uh, in the bur- at the burning bush, uh, a, a slightly different word group, the not Saul, the verb not Saul for deliverance was used for what Yahweh said He was about to do for the Hebrews, and so Yahweh is seen as this one who delivers, and not only is, is He seen as the deliverer. He is seen as the only legitimate Savior. Uh, In Isaiah 43, verse 11, he says, I, I am Yahweh beside me. There is no other Savior. Isaiah 45, verses uh, 21 and 22, he says, Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago, comparing himself to the gods of the ancient world who can't do anything? He says, who declared it of old? Was it not I, Yahweh? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. And to me, it is fascinating 
to think and to remember that God is the only Savior, at best, anything that we do is to be vehicles through which God brings deliverance and transformation into broken lives. But he is the Savior, not us. Can I return to Walmart just for a moment? Yes. You said, we may not hear that word around there, the word Savior, but I think we see a bunch of little saviors all around there. I mean, that's what politics are about. That's what the economy drivers are. It's, it's, we're going to do this on a smaller scale. We're going to fix this brokenness in your life. Turn to us. Yes, this, this is the story of human culture, of literature, of film, of music, is there is something that is broken or at best is incomplete in me, mm-hmm. and I need someone to come save me. So we talk romantically about she completes me. And, and once I made a Facebook post on the occasion of the anniversary of my, of my lovely wife, Brenda, and me, is that one of the things that attracted me to Brenda is that she didn't need a man to complete her. She was already complete in Jesus. And I couldn't complete her. Only Jesus can complete her. Mm-hmm. And only Jesus could complete me. And if we are both complete in Jesus, then together we can do something uh, for Jesus. But, but we have this, we need a Superman. We need, whether he's in politics or whether he has a red cape, <laughs> you know, uh, we need somebody to come save us or to make us complete. But only God is the Savior. That's good. Later in the New Testament, bouncing off of that, beside me there is no other, Paul does this interesting thing where he starts talking about Jesus as Savior. Uh, We see this especially in the book of Titus where, where within the same paragraph he will talk about God the Father as being Savior, and then he'll turn around and talk about Jesus being Savior. Uh, In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, uh, or actually verse verse, uh, 10, uh, teach them not to steal uh, from their masters, talking to the servants, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And then you bop down into another couple paragraphs in chapter 3, starting in verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Hmm. And then the, the, perhaps the greatest picture of God as Savior is in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, where John writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the land. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Mm -hmm. Salvation belongs to God. Uh, Christopher J. H. Wright, uh, one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called Salvation Belongs to Our God, based on this passage. And, and he has this interesting section where he gives six phrases that tell us about how salvation is completely God's doing. He says, salvation is initiated by God's grace. It's achieved by God's power. It's offered on God's terms. It was accomplished by God's Son. It's secured by God's promises. And it's guaranteed by God's sovereignty. Salvation belongs to God. We live in a culture that often doesn't give space to that. And I think this is what's interesting about the shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament with this theme. When you got the, the neighboring army and you can see them coming over the hill, you need a Savior. And with the, the spiritual component so emphasized in the New Testament, it's easy to overlook that. Now, you're right, brokenness does happen, but Western society has done a good job of shielding us from the spiritual armies coming over the mountains, and sometimes we don't even realize when they've overtaken. Or, and or, our culture does a good job of shielding us from recognizing how much brokenness there is. Um, all of life is stained with sin, and there's so much brokenness in systems, in relationships, and, and we think that we can fix it, and we cannot fix it outside of God. Uh, the Mennonite uh, Confession of Faith in, from 1963 talks about how God commissioned the church in the world to make disciples of all nations. And, you know, that's a work of evangelism and missions. But he also gave the church the ministry of reconciliation. And in, the, in this Confession of Faith, it says, The church is interested not only in spiritual welfare of men, but in their total well-being. Jesus himself fed the hungry, healed the sick, had compassion on the poor. The church should likewise minister to those who are 
in physical or social need, to those who are physically and emotionally ill. The church should witness against racial discrimination, economic injustice, all forms of human slavery and moral degradation. That was written in 1963 Mm. when I was three years old. We haven't done a whole lot in 60 years to better that, which is evidence of the fact that this can't be done. Salvation from sin and salvation from all the stuff that comes from sin cannot be accomplished by human beings. It can only be done through our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we miss that, I think that's why these generational defining films, like I grew up under the Star Wars mm-hmm. narrative, that's focused on a Savior. Uh, the college students today, it's the Marvel Universe. That's right. focused on a conglomerate of of saviors. In my generation, it was the hero films of World War II heroes. Yeah. And the John Wayne movies. (laughs) There you go. Well, we do need a savior, and we celebrate this Christmas season because God has come in Jesus Christ and dwelt among us and freed us and delivered us, and we will sing about that every year until he returns, and then we'll join that chorus in Revelation 7. Yes. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. That's excellent. Thank you so much. That's a great reminder and a great uh, word of encouragement and inspiration as we uh, draw closer to the celebration of Christ's birth this year on this Christmas Day. We hope you uh, have been encouraged and have enjoyed this episode of the DCC Leadership Podcast as we continue in our series of Bible words. Uh, To learn more about Dallas Christian College, our degree programs, scholarships that might be available, you can check us out at www.dallas.edu. But in the meantime, uh, we pray that you will uh, meditate on what you've heard and even back up to a couple of the episodes before that deal with gospel and blessing. I think all of these are are centering on a a common theme of God is the only one who can fill the hole, that space that is in our uh, being. And, uh, And I pray that you have been encouraged and that what has been shared today will help you grow in your spiritual walk. Take care, have a great day, and we'll catch you next time.